Hello everybody, welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. Once again, we return to your screens or your ears, no matter where you're listening or watching. We are here with you all the way to talk about the 2020 Emilia Romagna Grand Prix, or as everybody preferred to call it, the Imola Grand Prix, because it's just much easier to spell. Now, of course, my name's Matthew Gallagher, and joining me for this WTF1 podcast is... Tommy, the founder of WTF1 and one of the thirstiest men I have ever met. Seven litres of water he drinks an hour. Tommy, how are you? Oh, that without context is so inappropriate. Uh, I'm sure someone will cut it up. And uh, and Katie, what, back once again uh, after your debut uh, last time out. Uh, I'm glad we haven't scared you off. Yeah, no, thanks very much for having me back, guys. <laughs> Now, you don't have to thank us anymore. You're now part of the podcast. Like, it's, you know, it's just, don't thank me. I've done nothing here, Katie. You are who you are. Okay, I will. I'll not thank you anymore. I'll be really mean. <laughs> no, thank me. For God's sake, it was a joke. Right, okay. Uh, Three-word race reviews. Let's dive into it. Actually, before we dive into it, I found it very weird that it was being called the Imola GP uh, for the hashtag. I think it's because of the fact that, well... Portuguese was spelt seven different ways last time out, as well as F1 Portugal when people gave up. And they obviously tried to have a an interestingly short hashtag. But it's like calling the British Grand Prix the Silverstone GP, isn't it? It's a bit weird. Yeah, it is, it is strange. I guess, like you say, they went, no one's going to... No, You don't want to type that out every single time, do you? Um, and I know there's the autocomplete, but on Twitter, that's always wrong and always suggests the uh, wrong version, doesn't it? So Imla GP was just a nice, easy one to go for. And I think everyone will uh, be grateful for it. Yeah, the immediate yeah, so Romana... Oh, sorry. I've gone, Katie. <laughs> uh, the Emilia Romano Grand Prix hashtag would take up like half your Twitter characters, so it's easier to do Imola GP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's very true, actually. Um, although mm-hmm. the hashtags count as characters. I don't think they do. Either way, we move on. That's not what we're going to be talking about today. And you might be wondering, <laughs> what on earth are you wearing, Matt? Well, I'm wearing a full WTF1 outfit today. I've got WTF1 beanie on. I've got WTF1 hoodie on, which you can all find on the WTF1 shop. Cheeky plug. Right, three-word race reviews. Let's go. Pit bike underscore... Harry is yeah that's part of the name Lucky Lucky Lewis uh, Matthijs Custers <laughs> Ericsson Hit Alban Curtis underscore Hypersport forty six these are not short names today Honey Badger <laughs> Redemption and I am Russie Heartbreak 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 Lucky Lucky Lewis eh, you can say some of it's good fortune maybe Ericsson Hit Alban good banter because obviously Alban spun on his own Honey Badger Redemption. Danny Rick back on the podium and heartbreak, heartbreak, heartbreak. That'll be to do with George Russell. We'll dive into all of those, I'm sure, uh, as the podcast unfolds. Uh, Let's go with my three-word race review straight off the bat. Imola is Monaco. Now, this would be very interesting because if you're a a regular listener to the WTF1 podcast, you will uh, know that Tommy is a big just melt when it comes to Monaco. Oh, keep (laughs) it on the calendar. I love it. It's so great. Uh, and I think that Imola is a Monaco in that sense. If we were to have it back on the calendar as a regular thing, Imola is one of those that you understand that there's not going to be a huge amount of overtaking. The history is there, and that's the reason it's a gem on the calendar. Thoughts, Tommy? As I said this to you before, like I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's the greatest track for overtaking in the world. I think we were bantering, weren't we, after the race about that Imola is essentially, I think you said it's got, almost like a free pass because it's a really pretty circuit yeah. and it and it is very much the Gordon Ramsay meme of uh Imola with no overtaking is that old dear gorgeous and Sochi with no overtaking is you effing donkey um but I I do think um 
you know, I, I liked the circuit. I liked the of race. Of course you did. Exactly. And you, you go on about Monaco, but I like the variety. Monaco, I wouldn't even put it in my top five tracks. What? But I just like the variety. You, <laughs> been through this. You have fought tooth and nail to protect that track, and you're telling me it's not even top five. You're, you're a fraud. No, because it's different. I want different tracks. You want, you know, when Mercedes are winning every race, you need a bit of variety. I mean, they still won because that is just 2020. Yeah, it's so true. I think Matt was exactly right when he said in Internet's Best Reactions that we liked Imola because it was nostalgic. Um, but whether it deserves a full-time place on the calendar, I'm I'm not convinced. I loved it. I loved the track. I thought it was... Um, you know, great to see cars go around there, but that's probably yeah. because we haven't been there for 14 years and it's mad to see these huge, chunky, wide cars on this narrow little track. But in terms of actual racing, I think we'd be better off going to other tracks on the calendar rather than mm. sacking them off to go to Imola. George Russell was a big fan of the, the track in qualifying. Not so sure he was a fan of it after the <laughs> race. Uh, Sergio Velhot06 asks a question. Could we see Imola GP for the next few years or do you think it's not a track for today's cars? Um, are, well, look, we, we've mentioned it kind of before as well. It's money talks. If a track manages to accumulate the funds necessary to, to host a Formula One Grand Prix, then... Liberty will be all over it and they will say, yes, please, let's go wherever, you know, wherever you want. <laughs> Whoever's going to pay the most, basically. Like, we don't go to Sochi because it's a great track. We go to Sochi because it's Russia and they pay money. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it could come back. It could not. But I think it the, the, the most likely thing, in my opinion, is that it could rotate if, you know, we can go from Imola to Monza to Mugello. That would, that would keep things fresh and maybe there's a way in which that could be sorted. But again... It's all down to financials, isn't it? Yeah, I I would like to see it still on the calendar. You know, of course I would. Um, everyone enjoys races for different reasons. And I said it before the race that I still think there is something in, in tracks that where you can't overtake as easily because, I, and again, it comes back to the variety. Portimao, you had people breezing down the straight you had Hamilton behind Bottas and as soon as he got behind him he just breezed past in the DRS zone and that was it whereas if um I want battles to last for five laps and I appreciate that Imola is an extreme case where it was almost impossible like it took Bottas a massive mistake um and obviously his car being damaged for Verstappen to actually get by but we did see overtaking at the end as well um just think we need different different cars these cars are just terrible for racing and we get this at every track really realistically this is just an extreme version yeah i think i really like the idea i think we talked about it before on the podcast of having like a wild card race every year or two wild cards or something like that because obviously the calendar that we've got this year has been as a result of the covid global pandemic and obviously we wouldn't we weren't scheduled to race in these locations but maybe if we did a wild card or something like they did with the German Grand Prix a few years ago where they rotated it between Nürburgring and Hockenheim maybe something similar with the Italian Grand Prix like you were saying Matt you know switch it between Monza Mugello um, and then here in Imola I think something like that could be good but yeah the cars today they're just not suited to the track i mean i'm sure loads of the drivers have said how awesome it was to drive around the track and i'm sure it was incredible but in terms of actually good racing content it just it wasn't there i don't think i'd be prepared to lose monza i think monza out of the three is still the best and 
not just purely from the the racing. I think you know, Mugello did did provide in some in some regards. Imola not so much, but Monza I think has to be a staple on the calendar. No, uh, no matter what, and I wouldn't want to really lose it to swap these two in. To be honest, I'd rather it be an addition and have two Italian Grand Prix than lose Monza with the incredible. Um, well, the, the scenes that you have on the podium is is like no other. So I think that, it, from in my opinion, uh, I want Monza to stay forever and then maybe have an additional if if they fancy it. Uh, Michael Grimwoo Five says, "How would you change the cars so that tracks like Imola become a genuine option for good racing again? Make them narrower, more than one tire manufacturer, less restrictive rules." It's a good question. Um, <laughs> Imola's never been good for racing, really. When you look at, I mean, there's obviously been quite a few impactful moments. Of course, you had the Schumacher Montoya side by side thing. But gen- generally, I think the last time they raced there was it 2005 or 2006. I can't remember. There was a stat saying that they had one overtake, one on track overtake on, uh, during yeah. that race. So I don't think Imola's ever really been a great racetrack to for for Formula One cars. Uh, it's just the fact that it's had so many iconic moments. But then, ironically. Yeah, the iconic moments. It goes kind of back to what I was saying about, you know, Monaco. I'm sure you'll mention. Um, The Schumacher and Alonso battle, the reason that was so iconic was because Schumacher couldn't go by DRS in a single lap. You had lap after lap of him swarming all over the back of him. And sometimes I find that just as exciting as, um, you know, someone breezing by. I think in that race... You could argue that if Hamilton hadn't got um, maybe fortunate with the uh, VSC and uh, and was third in that battle, we'd have had the most incredible battle for the lead, albeit really hard to overtake, but it would have been lap after lap of Verstappen trying everything to get past Bottas for the lead, and it would probably be a 100 times more exciting, but unfortunately Hamilton was just in the lead and it was a, a, a battle for P2. So, yeah, I think... Imola, back back to the question essentially about the about the guy talking about the the cars. I just need to bring on twenty twenty two because that's when they're going to be fixing this because the cars are just too wide and you can't follow. Yeah, no, I'm I agree with you. I think we shouldn't be looking at making big modifications like literally making the cars thinner or even going to like another tire manufacturer like we had because we had that in 2006 when we were last there and like Matt said there was one overtake in the whole race so clearly it's not things like tire manufacturers that are the issue yes the size of the cars is probably a huge part to play but at the same time the circuit is just not designed for an amazing overtaking battle you know every other lap it's just it's not in the the circuit's DNA. And don't get me wrong, I you know I said Imola is Monaco, but I I actually rather enjoyed the race. I, I didn't think it was as bad as a lot of people were saying. I thought I felt that there were obviously dull moments during the race, but there always is in Formula One Grand Prix. I, I really enjoyed it when Hamilton did the overcut. Bottas had an, an ailing car, and then it was just hovering on the gap that Hamilton needed to pit and come out ahead of Bottas. Of course, the VSC ruined that slightly and gave Hamilton a cheaper pit stop. But I felt like overall that the the race wasn't wasn't too bad at, at all but anyway we move on uh katie your three-word race review uh mine is mercedes make history which is obviously referring to the seventh consecutive constructors title that they wrapped up 
yesterday in Imola, um, which no team has ever done that. Um, and also Mercedes-Benz took their 500th podium finish as an engine supplier in F1. Um, and another little stat that, Matt, you might want to cover your ears for, um, Hamilton took his 72nd victory for Mercedes, which ties with the Michael Schumacher Ferrari record for the most wins with a single constructor. But, yeah, sorry about that, Matt. But, yeah, I just think, although you can look at the Mercedes dominance and think, oh, this is so boring, which... I can completely like side with fans and I, I agree with it, but you have to take off your cap and just appreciate what Mercedes have achieved. You know, Toto Wolf is an incredible boss and the way he has managed that team is just outstanding. And it really is, although it's at the time now, it's obviously frustrating to see a team so dominant but I think when we look back in 20, 30 years, we'll just think, wow, like Mercedes were just so amazing. And the you could say worrying thing is that it doesn't look like it's going to stop. I think they could quite easily go on to to get eight, nine, possibly even 10 Constructors Championships because they are that dominant. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of given up with uh, just tracking all the records that Hamilton's breaking now. I just just doesn't happen if 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 i don't hear that he's broken a record shumi still has it that's that's how i see it uh, i'm basically in <laughs> denial uh, but but yeah you know obviously you know you have to you i think everyone everybody appreciates the fact that mercedes are doing an incredible job but as with any sport nobody likes a dominant team whether it's in football whatever you, no one wants anybody to dominate because it doesn't make it as great of a spectacle unless you are the, a fan of that particular team or person so uh, you know, Mercedes have absolutely smashed it. You, you have to think that Toto Wolff is going to go down in history as the greatest team boss ever, uh, just purely from the fact that this is ridiculous. You know, you, you look at like the likes of you know, Ross Braun and, you know, those iconic people and you have to put Toto Wolff in the mix there when you look back at this in 10, 20 years. Uh, what Toto's done for the team, as you say, is is crazy. And the fact that, you know, we've had Lewis drop a bombshell saying that, you know, he may not he may not stay in the sport uh, after this year, which I do not believe in the slightest, I feel like he will stay. But maybe he is having some hesitations. If Toto leaves Mercedes, will will the team be as as good? Uh, probably not. I think that's uh, a given. But yeah, at the same time, you know the fact that Lewis is contemplating leaving a team that is dominating so hard because of one other person leaving just shows uh, the impact that Toto. Toto has had, and that's the question that our Dun Zero had: was Will Toto or Lewis leave the sport at the end of the season? What do you reckon, Tommy? Yeah, Hamilton <laughs> hinted at it. I don't I don't believe it at all. I know a lot of people have kind of joked that the similarity between that and Ties Are Dead and then going on set a lack <laughs> record. Um <clears throat> personally I think he'll get eight titles uh and then maybe leave at the end of twenty twenty one on a high. Uh as for Toto, that's a little bit more Yeah, I, I could see that happening. We mentioned it about He's now got a lot of shares in Aston Martin. He was seen recently talking to, had a meeting with Lance Stroll, which was kind of like, oh, that's strange. Maybe maybe he's just wanting advice. But um, there's a lot of rumors linking Toto to Aston Martin. And would he, Is I guess it's a bit different for a team boss. You know, Hamilton, you'd say, why on earth would he leave Mercedes when he's essentially got another title in the bag? Whereas Toto Wolff, like you say, he'll he'll go down as one of, if not the greatest team principal of all time. And he maybe wants a new challenge. Yeah, I quite like the idea that Lewis and Toto would just bow out of 
you know not necessarily f1 together but out of mercedes together but then i think that's also quite a like romanticized idea in reality <laughs> toto wolf has he said it himself he said i'm aware of my shelf life toto has also said to media this weekend that he's already got somebody in mind as a replacement so obviously it's something that is very much on his mind and with other options like you say with aston martin um Maybe Lewis, I, I don't think Lewis is just going to quit. I don't, I can't see that happening, but he might stay beyond 2022 just to see the new regulations come into place. But I mean, it's obvious. I don't think he's going to be like Kimi Raikkonen and stay until like 2055 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, it makes the most sense for Lewis to win the title next year and bow out personally from a, from the fact that he's already looking around at other things that he can do. Obviously, he's been interested in many other walks of life for, for quite some time, even whilst he's been a Formula One driver. And I think that uh, it looks like, I don't know, even with the the sort of different side that we've seen to him with doing a shoey on the podium and, and things like that, I feel like even things like that are just signs of that he's cooling off a little bit and that he's just <laughs> almost having a bit more fun and knowing that maybe his time's coming to an end it's, it's it's a weird thing that i don't know it just it just looks a bit weird everything that's kind of unfolding at the moment lewis obviously questioning his future he's never really done that before in terms of just dropping a bombshell like that as far as i'm aware anyway um so yeah it's gonna be an interesting one to to keep an eye on uh, i think that yeah it makes the most sense for lewis not to go into the new regulations because bow, i'm sure he wants to bow out of the sport in a you know blaze of glory rather than 2022 stays with mercedes they're terrible ferrari win the title and then he goes oh, okay i'm done now so yeah it's going to be an interesting decision for lewis i'm sure he'll only sign a one-year contract uh, when he does finally do it and then uh, then then we'll see uh, another question uh, about the race hawaii fan 69 should there be a one lap minimum time for a virtual safety car to ensure everyone gets an equal opportunity to pit i thought it was very unfair how the vsc lasted basically the duration of lewis's pit stop yes that was a bit of a contentious subject the fact that the vsc literally came out as lewis was about to uh, well was literally entering the pits and then ended as he was leaving but at the same time I don't I want as a racing fan I want to say that that was just complete and utter coincidence because the car didn't need to be pushed very far in order for it to be a clear track again but at the same time it angered a lot of fans I I think it's one of those things where yeah it angered a lot of fans because we're desperate to see someone other than Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes win and when the traffic light caught out <laughs> Uh, Hamilton in Monza and Gasly won the race we didn't have as many complaints about about that um it is funny that all these conspiracy theories have come out about Michael Massey favoring Lewis it was unfortunate um timing and I guess the delay is what was so strange that you knew if they needed to clear that car get the VSC out straight away and it took a bit of time Hamilton, of course, was going to pit at that point because Ocon's at the side of the road and there's the risk of a safety car. So he's always going to go in anyway. Um, and then if you just think back to two, three races ago, however long it was, we were here having a debate whether Hamilton is uh, purposely targeted by Michael Massey because he got yeah. a very harsh penalty for a practice start. So it flops and changes who's biased. It's just like we joke about when we're doing ABCDF1, we're fanboys, we're haters things happen to different drivers and it just happens it's just part of f1 that 
that happens. Yeah, I think it's an interesting like idea to have the virtual safety car or whatever last a whole lap to make it more fair. But then there are so many implications that the drivers have to go through when something like a virtual safety car is called. Obviously, they have to slow and then that can affect things like the tyre warmth and things like that. So if you don't necessarily have to have a virtual safety car out for elapsed time you only need it like the incident we saw with Ocon to literally either maybe grab some debris off the track or um, bring a car into a safe place I don't know if it's fair to keep a virtual safety car out for an extended period of time just so it can you know make it fairer um, if you like but then when the safety cars have never been fair that's my argument is that that's that's part of yeah. the sport. It's like having rain and going, oh well, the rain came down. I know it's obviously not. <laughs> you don't choose to when the rain comes down, but it's it's a it's a factor of the the sport that's always been there, and I think it it always has that element of excitement. And sometimes it will work for Hamilton, sometimes it won't. Uh, and personally, I I would be it it would take away a bit of the unknown if we knew a virtual safety car coming out wouldn't benefit anybody. And I think that would actually affect the race more, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Russian roulette, isn't it? At the end of the day, you don't know what you're going to get. Absolutely. That's part of the fun. It is part of the fun. Um, Another question. Paul underscore is underscore supreme. All right, Jesus. Uh, Why was (laughs) Hamilton allowed to be on an alternative strategy this week with everything everything to gain? And when Bottas asks for an alternative strategy, it said, it's not fair, let's keep this equal between the two drivers. Now, yeah, this one... This one is interesting, and I was thinking the same thing when it was unfolding, but it was a different situation. Uh, and I think Verstappen has helped this massively by the fact that he had was basically in the middle of a Mercedes sandwich. Bottas obviously pitted to cover Verstappen, which he had to do. Hamilton, he had nothing to lose, and so Mercedes could argue that they were just trying to beat Verstappen. And, you know, the fact that Lewis's pace was great and Bottas was ailing... He was able to put in a great stint on those mediums, push them much longer and overcut them both. Even without the virtual safety car, I think he would have done it. So I, I, I think it's a very different situation to uh, Mercedes going, right, let's do a, a complete opposite strategy to Bottas uh, like we've seen before, which was denied from for Valtteri in, in Mugello at least. Yeah, and Bottas, Bottas's strategy, if he had gone on the softs, it was very much a desperate call. Yeah. It wasn't... It, it was... I think we had it uh, with with um, uh, Nico Rosberg used to do it at the odd time as well, where it was just anything, I'll do exactly the opposite of Hamilton because I want to win. Um, and it was just a desperate call, whereas this, like you say, made made absolute sense. I think one of the points that I feel like people are missing as well is the way that the race panned out, like you're saying with Verstappen, is the way they extended Hamilton's stint. They've gone from essentially getting a 1-3 to a 1-2. Um, you, you pit Hamilton and they're basically securing third. They keep him out and he's either going to finish worst case scenario third or win the race. So from that side of it, it makes sense to go, well, we're getting the team a 1-2 rather than a 1-3. Why would we just sit and sit behind Verstappen? But at the same time, there's no doubt that Mercedes do favour Hamilton a bit there's there's no denying that fact yeah I mean I completely agree with both what both you guys have said also there's the fact that Bottas had that debris under his car that could have played into why he had the early pit stop because 
the, the team knew that that was severely affecting the performance of the car. And I mean, unfortunately, it was so wedged under the car, they couldn't remove it, but that might have something to do with it. But it's unfortunate for Bottas because it continues not only the fact that no Finnish driver has ever won an Italian Grand Prix, but he also failed to win from pole yet again. <laughs> yeah, he's not had yeah, much but... luck, has he? Uh, poor old Bottas, because I mean, that is just such bad luck. You know, the fact that he yeah. saw the debris and then had to decide whether or not he was going to try and avoid it and get a puncture or just drive straight over it, which is what he did. And then it got lodged in. And I mean, the the, the size of the debris as well was was quite alarming and just shows why Bottas was making so many errors. And obviously, you know, you go, oh, Bottas has bottled it when he's locking up into the last couple of corners and letting Max through. But that amount of debris just affects the airflow of the car and the way that the handling is he said in a post-race interview that you know one one corner it would be fine and the next it would it would be completely different so it, it sounds like Valtteri was trying to drive around a, a pretty huge issue uh, with that massive debris in the car yeah it, it, I can't believe that he it, it kind of almost sums up a bit of Bottas bad luck doesn't it that the time where he gets ahead of Hamilton at the start and he's leading almost error like it affects him because he's the first one to run over the debris. <laughs> yeah. So go on, Poor guy. go on, hit us with your three-word race for you, Tommy. Mine is Russell Points Pain. Oh, we have to talk about lack that Lack of now. points. Okay. We do. So everyone, uh, yeah. So for, Yeah, Kavir is, George Russell fans. So four or five podcasts ago, um, we were having the conversation about if Russell keeps missing out on points, when it's for the taking, it's going to start to become a thing like Hulkenberg with the podium. Uh, then Mugello happened where he messed up the restart when he was in P10. Now now a huge, huge, huge error to bin it behind a safety car when you n- not necessarily points were in the bag because you never know what the others were going to do behind him on maybe better tyres. Um but yeah, you got to feel sorry for him. He was absolutely distraught and understandable. He was, he, he posted, you know, something on Instagram, and it was great actually to see credit to uh, Lewis and Roman Grosjean, who both put a comment saying, "We've all been there. These mistakes happen." And speaking of mistakes happening, I've seen some pretty rubbish uh, and maybe ridiculous comments from a lot of people now that are like, "Oh, is this proof that George Russell is overrated and not very good?" Um, which is silly because, you know, drivers make mistakes. We had, like, Charles Leclerc's made mistakes. George Russell's in his second season of F1. Even, do you remember Max Verstappen? We, he crashed in about seven races in a row and we were having the debate on this podcast a few years back whether he should even not not be in F1 anymore. And now he's probably one of the best in F1. So mistakes happen and I'm sure he'll bounce back from it. Yeah, so true. Uh, the question... Um underscore odd hiss is it just possible that george russell isn't as good and instead just a specialist at one lap pace but lacks everywhere else only being masked by the lack of performance of the williams yeah it's it's really strange how people are saying that george russell is overrated that he hasn't proved himself he hasn't scored a point he hasn't had um teammates to really stack up against but look he's doing absolutely everything he possibly can in that car he's shown in previous uh, racing series that he is incredibly talented. He won Formula 2 coming into Formula 1. It's crazy how 
the top three in Formula Two, it's the reverse order in how quick they got a car, uh, which is quite funny. Obviously, Albon yeah. third got a Red Bull, uh, Lando second in the McLaren, and then first for for George Russell and the Williams. But I, I don't think he's not as good as people are saying. Like I think he's underrated. A lot of people are trying to shoot him down as someone that isn't that great, and this Williams is just kind of masking it all. Like he's doing absolutely everything he possibly can with that. I think he's pushing the, the team forward as well because. Clearly, the Williams is improving. He's getting to Q2, a one-lap specialist. I mean, that's I mean, he's 34-0 uh, against teammates in qualifying. That is ridiculous. Like, you would expect if George Russell was making mistakes left, right and centre, that that would leak into qualifying. And I, I personally don't buy it. I think George is an incredibly talented driver, and I think we will see this moving forward as he continues to learn. He hasn't made that many mistakes. As you say, Verstappen no. was crashing all the time. Leclerc has made huge amounts of errors as well, crashing at Baku, um, crashing in Germany. That, that George is just yeah. trying to get absolutely everything out of that Williams. And I think people need to just back off a little bit, uh, all yeah. the ones that, that are hating on him a little bit. And the thing, the thing with Leclerc as well that you mentioned, Leclerc crashed in Baku last year which was a huge mistake. He had a a car that could have won that race. He was in amazing form in practice. Uh, But he's in a Ferrari, which back then were really good. (laughs) And he can go into the next race and he's got a chance for podium again. George Russell, just because he's binned it, uh, a rare chance that Williams could have got a point. There's been so many races where he has been brilliant. And just because everyone finished, he's maybe been 12th or 13th. it is unfortunate that, like you say, it's it's happened a couple of times when it's that the points have been on the table. But you've got to remember that he won GP3 in his rookie year, he won Formula 2 in his rookie year against Lando and Alex. And, you know, he's he's not a bad driver. He, he's been unbelievable in the junior series and he's in a Williams. So what more can he do? Yeah, George Russell is a sensational driver. And no doubt that if he was in a better car, in a midfield car, then his results would reflect that and you know he'd be getting uh, a lot of high praise but the Williams is the worst car on the grid like that's just fact isn't it so uh, the Haas probably but... you think yeah <laughs> well Grosjean's literally come out and said the Haas is the worst car on the grid so I don't think he would mm. probably lie at this stage mm, true but Grosjean's probably just salty as well but um, even Alonso <laughs> said um, in an interview that he did with Sky this weekend, um, Simon Lazenby asked, who do you think is the most promising talent out of like these new drivers? And he said, oh, Russell, you know, without a doubt, he's really impressed Alonso. And I mean, I suppose Alonso being as an F1 as long as he has been, <laughs> I've got to figure out how I can word that politely without calling him a like an old man. <laughs> but um, he's got a lot of experience. So... To have a, a recommendation or a recommendation from Alonso is surely not going to be a bad thing. I reckon Alonso's probably leaning onto the fact that Russell's doing a similar Formula One career path of being in a backmarker team, and Alonso probably understands that, having been in a Minardi uh, when he first yeah. started. So I'm sure he can understand that it's not just all about results, it's about exactly what you do in those those terrible cars. But George still has a lot to learn, don't get me wrong. He's not the complete package. He, he is um prone to make mistakes and i think he can get quicker as well but he's in his second year like relax he's a star yeah. of the future let him <laughs> let him uh, i don't know what the word is just kind of mature like a fine wine you know he's not he, not everyone's going to be a max verstappen yeah and he hasn't like you say he hasn't got 
the car it's a bit of a double-edged sword really with the Williams because he can make a lot of mistakes and everyone go oh it's just the Williams but at the same time and then he's not got that pressure that Alex Albon has where you know a couple of bad races and your your seat's on the line but I'd, I'd I really wish George Russell was in a midfield car so we could actually you know really see what he can do it's such a shame that he's in either you know it, whether he's the worst car it's definitely in a field of no chance getting a point yeah. unless something crazy happens. So. Absolutely, yeah. I, th- I think my final point on on the whole matter is that I don't think George would have had, got points anyway. You know, he said uh, in in the post race interview that he had to work those hard tires enormously just to try and keep them in a temperature window where he wouldn't com- fall down the field. And he had a couple of runners, I think Vettel and I want to say one of the Alfa Romeos on so- like fresh soft tires i don't think it was was it kimmy i can't remember either way there was a couple of runners behind him that were that had fresh soft tires he was on hards we saw exactly what kvyat did on those soft tires uh, against the likes of leclerc and well even perez even though he was on fresh soft as well so there was clearly a huge performance difference and i don't think russell would have got a point but i guess it's because he was in that situation that people are losing it as well as the fact he binned it under the safety car what an amateur uh, there's a lot more understanding to, to to happen there but right let's move on to the next topic right tommy you mentioned about one uh, career being potentially well not well seats being under threat this one I don't want to talk about too much just purely because we've spoken about it so much, but um, it's around Alex Albon and his career and is it over? Bob 34 says, given Albon's struggles, should he move down to AlphaTauri for Kvyat or should the seat go to Sonoda if Red Bull brings someone in for the Red Bull seat? Personally, I, well, I, th- I was speaking to Alex Jakes and he was mentioning that for someone to be fired from a top team and not go anywhere else is hugely just rare it just doesn't happen so I think especially with Red Bull having a B team uh, it would make the most sense to demote Alex Albon alongside Pierre Gasly they both hopefully thrive in that I I don't see why Sonoda is being because Honda especially is leaving Formula One I don't understand why Sonoda's still really in the equation he hasn't okay he's done okay he's done well in Formula Two but he hasn't exactly dominated the championship and is knocking on the door of Formula One with this huge amounts of proven talent i I don't see why they would promote Sonoda unless there's a an agenda with Honda that's been agreed that we we won't know about. But for me, it would make the most sense because Albon is clearly struggling both in the car, probably mentally as well. He needs exactly what Gasly had last year, and it's just a reset, a refresh. Um, so for me, demote him, don't fire him, forget Sonoda, Kvyat goes. That's that's my that's my plan anyway. Yeah, uh, don't think that's Helmut Marco's plan though. From what from what he's been saying, um, yeah, he he was talking to Sky Germany and he mentioned something along the lines of, well, actually, Katie, you wrote an article about it, but it was something along the lines of a young driver coming in. Uh, do you want to go more into it because you wrote the article about uh, what Marco said? Of course. So Marco basically said that pretty much what Tommy said that there was going to be a younger driver to come in and partner. Gasly, which signs clearly to Kvyat not being in that seat. But whether that young driver is Sonoda or whether that is Albon, obviously um, Sonoda is the younger of the two. Uh, And also Franz Tost has said that just because Honda are going to be leaving F1, that hasn't influenced their decision to get in a Japanese driver. Um, But 
yeah, Helmut Marco, as ever, revealing things that uh, Alpha Tauri have come out and said, oh, we don't know anything about it. But obviously, Helmut Marco is just telling everybody they're hanging uh, Red Bull's laundry out in public, if you like. <laughs> it's just, it must be so difficult to have a boss like Helmut Marco where you're just slated in the media, left, right, and centre. It must yeah. be so hard for young drivers to maintain and thrive in, in a team like that. And it just, it just, I think Tomo F1 put a tweet out about, you know, hoping that Albon has a, a close knit group uh, around him to, to support him because you just imagine someone like Alex Albon, who clearly, you know, you, you go back to Australia, obviously we didn't have it, didn't happen, but the interviews there where he's just such a happy go lucky kid, can't believe he's in formula one. And you now look at the interviews he's having now and you can just see how much more dejected he is. And for me, it just makes no sense to bring in Sonoda, who hasn't really had any Formula One. He's going to have a, a, a run out soon, isn't he, Sonoda, in the Formula One car? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. it does just doesn't make sense to for Albon, who has proven that he's got absolute minerals when it comes uh, for, for overtaking. And he, you know, he really does go for it and he can definitely recover from a from a difficult qualifying although it has tailed off recently and he's made a lot of mistakes but I think that's down to how Red Bull manage the, uh, their drivers as well not everybody is going to thrive like Max Verstappen under this continuous pressure and Verstappen is one of those drivers that has had pressure ever since he was probably one foot one high. years old from his family yeah, yeah exactly. exactly like Jos Verstappen we've you know lots of reports coming out uh, about him and how he's treated Max Verstappen, and it doesn't sound particularly great, if I'm honest. Uh, so Verstappen is used to that, but I don't think anyone else is really, and that's the reason, or one of the reasons, why a number two driver like Gasly or or Albon, who both are quite kind-hearted individuals, didn't thrive in that Red Bull seat. You've you've got to feel sorry for Albon if it, if that is the case that they're going for Sonoda, because Albon, you've got to say, has been. I think uh, going into the last race, um, they were equal on points pretty much of what Gasly scored with half a year at Red Bull and Albon half a year at Red Bull. And if and if Albon does completely get dropped from the, you know, doesn't even get to go back to Alpha Tauri, he must be looking at what Gasly's doing now thinking, why, you know, he's done as well as me in this Red Bull and he's now showing that he can turn his career around at Alpha Tauri. Why can't I get that luxury? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you both there. I think, although I would like somebody new to be given the chance, um, and although Alex is so lovely, and it's part of the reason why everybody's like, oh, you know, I hope that he's being taken care of and that all these things don't get to him. You can't just keep people in F1 because you like them. He's made so many errors that Gasly perhaps didn't make when he was in Red Bull that make me just... I'm concerned that they will just just get rid of him and that, like you say, there is no other place for him to go. So whether he takes a year out or whether that's just his Formula One career over, like it would be heartbreaking to see because he is a young guy with a lot of talent. But I don't know, perhaps he can uh, go back to, to Formula E, which is where he was originally meant to be before uh, Red Bull made the mm. call up and, and said, we want you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a difficult thing, though, at, at this stage. You know, you've seen the likes of even like Callum Eilat, who doesn't look like he's going to get a Formula One seat, that there isn't much open for them at this stage of the season. You know, conversations need to be had 
much earlier if you want to be on the Formula E grid. You know, it, Formula E is you know developing and moving forward every single day, month, week, whatever. So as much as you know, a lot of people you know stupidly say that it's the retirement home for failed Formula One drivers and stuff. Formula E is slowly but surely becoming more and more of a an established championship and where drivers actually want to go and it's the future. So it can't just be this place that. Oh, I didn't get Formula One seat. Formula E, uh, will you have me? Yeah, no worries. Come along. Like, there's only a certain amount of spaces on that grid as well, and it is difficult for Albon. I agree with you, Tommy, in the fact that he's done no different really to how Gasly performed in that Red Bull. But unfortunately, there's only a certain amount of seats available, and whether yeah. Honda have a pull at the moment with uh, Sonoda uh, is going to be something that's quite clear to see if they do announce Yuki. So we'll see. Let's move on. We've spoken about Alex Albon far too much. Hope he does well. Hope he stays on the F1 grid. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, why pit Perez? That's obviously down Indeed. to when the safety car came out. Um, the Racing Point decided to pit Sergio Perez for fresh, soft tyres. And Will M1784 says, Why did Racing Point pit Perez with 10 laps to go when we saw how hard overtaking was throughout the race? Now, for, it's, you know, the benefit of hindsight is a beautiful thing. And I believe that Racing Point would have expected the drivers behind <coughs> to also pit. They gave up track position. We've, we saw how bad the hard tyres were on warm-up in the first couple of laps. So it's it's really difficult to, to really blame an exact person or whatever. Because Racing Point, obviously, it was an aggressive strategy. And I think Perez, if he'd got a better start and been where Kvyat was and got through at turn two right at the safety car restart, he could have had a chance at Ricardo because I think Kvyat was on six-lap old softs, so it wasn't even brand new. So it was it was a bad decision, don't get me wrong, but hindsight is a beautiful thing. Exactly. It's all, it's all hindsight. And you could argue that had, uh, obviously, Racing Point had the track position, but you could argue that if they'd have stayed out and then everyone behind yeah. them put the softs yeah, exactly. on. He'd be a sitting duck and then would look even more stupid. Well, I reckon they probably, so, they just did the opposite, right? You know, that's what we hear yeah. a lot on the team radio. So if Perez pits, Ricardo would have been told, just do the opposite. Exactly. And that get, that's the advantage of being almost, you get an advantage being behind in a safety car situation because you get to, like say, do completely opposite to your rivals and it's worth the gamble. But what I will say is get in the bin conspiracy theories that, that were... You know, people people messaging the racing yellow. point, messaging the racing point admin saying, "Oh, it's because they didn't want Perez to embarrass Stroll anymore, so we're going to sacrifice a podium and World Drivers Championship points," um, which is ridiculous most ridiculous thing. Have you seen the Constructors would, Championship? Yeah, why would they want to do it? And also, Stroll's there next year, so why would they want to have less points and get less money for next year? Stupid. So true. I mean, the fact that that how how much money there's millions of pounds on the line between third and sixth in the constructors and people think that just because to keep Lance Stroll's ego happy <laughs> that they're going yeah. to pit Perez and ruin his race it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard now, like you say yeah. Verstappen was in uh, sorry not Verstappen uh, Perez was in third after Verstappen had his incident but you can only assume that Racing Point expected everybody else to do the same it's just one of those things. Like you say, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Um, but it was pretty depressing listening to Perez afterwards. I mean, he said he, he saw what a good job the team did. But he said, to quote him, the, the podium was in our pocket. So, yeah, to have yeah, that snatched from underneath your feet is a, it's pretty tough pill to swallow. But overall, um, 
at least they yeah. didn't like they got a driver in the points <laughs> compared to Stroll who finished God knows they where. <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah. tend to make massive mistakes. No. I don't think racing point. You know, they're usually one of those to take advantage of a crazy race. So we've just come to expect them to make the right strategy call every single time. But I think it's just one of those the case of one of those things where you had Leclerc, you had Ricardo. Who else did you have on the hard tires behind? Uh, obviously, you had Fiat who pit, no he. He pit before the safety car, didn't I can't remember now. It's, it's so difficult to remember who was on what tyre strategy. Yeah, it was but, chaotic. But yeah, end. but there were three hard tyre runners behind uh, Ricardo. Either way, the fact that Ricardo Leclerc and whoever it was else that was the buffer, th- that helped as well. Because if, say, Leclerc had pit, then Perez would have had a clearer run straight to Ricardo. It, it just didn't work out the way, the way it did because Imola is very difficult to overtake. And to have three cars to overtake to get to Ricardo was was very difficult. Right, moving on. Kimi Raikkonen, driver of the day, which is really quite odd. I, d- I don't know. I, I, he scored points. It was a it was a good race from him, but was it driver of the day material? Not really. He's, he started right near the back and just had the had a really good strategy because the safety car came out. Imagine though if he'd have actually pitted he pit one up earlier, safety. didn't he? Yeah, I guess I guess what people are applauding is the fact that he managed to do 45, 46, can't remember how many laps on the mediums when mm. um, Pirelli said you could only do about 50 on the hards. Um, so it was an amazing stint to do it, and then I guess that puts him in the position to capitalise. Um, for me, though, I think uh, Danny Kvyat was just amazing. The, the, the last few couple of laps... He just sent um, it, didn't he? He just sent it. I, I loved loved to see that. He he was just driving like his career was on the line, which we know it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> that was exceptional, though, from Kvyat, like you say, um, to just sort of really come from nowhere. Like we knew that the AlphaTauris would be slightly competitive here. Obviously, they've done testing here with that car um, earlier on in the year, which is why Gasly also looked like. I mean, without his his retirement, I have no doubt that. Gasly could have been on that podium but yeah a really good performance from Kvyat to go full send in those last few laps yeah such a shame for for Gasly I think that he definitely would have been right up there uh, in P3 he looked he was catching Ricardo before he was told to retire so uh, such a shame I mean Pierre's smashing it at the moment um, I'd love to know as well when the last time Lewis Hamilton was voted driver of the day because I reckon it is it. a long, long time ago. Yeah. Can you remember People one love... time? Ooh, um, I genuinely can't. People, people love the. He would lift, he would literally have to start last and win the race. Yeah, he? probably Germany in 2018 when he was 14th and won the race. Yeah, because um, people, people love it when a driver comes through the field. You just even if you're in a really good car, that just almost gives you, you know, the the driver of the day yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so. it so does right let's uh let's do what we always love to do which is play the jingle now it's time for okay here we are the nabtdf one time let's do it straight away it's the, it's the my favorite part of the show because it annoys so many people and it's just brilliant <laughs> so uh here we go then let's dive straight in with mr nicholas latifi yeah, Ooh. I've thrown it around. I've thrown it around. Nicholas Latifi running in the points. Oh, there was such a funny meme of uh, it's like Nicholas Latifi running in the top 10 for 30 laps and it was a guy with a camera just like looking like he was <laughs> like, <laughs> never been there before, like a tourist. It was brilliant. Um, nice. it, it, seven tenths of a second 
off a point to to further cause George Russell nightmares. Can you imagine if Latifi had got a point? Yeah, that would have been. Oh my god, you can't even imagine it, could you? No. Well, but... you could have because it just it was bound to happen. But yeah, awesome, a good drive. Yeah, a good, good drive. drive. I'd say uh, a solid B for Nicholas Latifi. I'm saying like B minus C territory is what I'd I'd written, but it's solid. But I guess I guess he was quite lucky with the safety car, but then he put himself there, didn't do many overtakes. I'm going to say well, well, Katie, C. What you have say you put B. Down? Katie's got the deciding vote. Oh god, I've said C. Although he did put a really strong performance in, like you say, he seven was... tenths. Off yes. the points, and we're giving Latifi a C. That is outrageous. Yeah, but he's there because people like Alban ballsed up. Um, they were oh, just... yeah, he's still in the yeah, race, though. Yeah. He's not ballsing up. He's in the mix. Okay. Mm. I think a C is fair. Yeah. I'm saying I'm C. I'm going to say C. Okay. Well, unbelievable. Yeah, C. This oh, is disgraceful. We've offended everybody uh, with the first one. Love to see it. <laughs> including me. Right. Uh, George Russell, then. <laughs> I mean, he was having a good race, but then he crashed under the safety car. So what do we give him? I don't know. It's so an difficult. E. An E. An E. An e. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's that bad. Oh. I think you have to you have to rate him as if he's any other driver making a huge error that costs the team big. And we know he's a phenomenal driver, but that race, it's poor from him. It's I was going to really give him a D, but... error. Yeah, I was going to say D. Well, overthrown. Is then. But it was, I think it was so unlucky as well. I don't know if my physics understanding is particularly strong, but seeing the replay of the car lifting up, I think, as he went on the throttle to, to try and light up the tyres, obviously, to warm them up. But I think he, his car just lifted off the ground, made more of a... Yeah, he hit a bump, more rear uh, wheel spin than he'd have expected and then flew into the wall. Obviously, it's still a terrible mistake, don't get me wrong, but he was having a great race. He got into Q2. He made an error, yes, and... E sounds like it is deserved, but I'm taking everything into equation. He was trying his absolute hardest to try and get a point for Williams. D. Well, we've we've gone for D, so it's fine. No, no, but I'm just <laughs> just explaining for the comments. Uh, Grosjean. <laughs> uh, where did he finish? He finished 14th. He finished 13th. Oh, okay. Um, he got a penalty which sort of undid a lot of his good work um mm. c it's just mm. i yeah bit of just a me i'm pretty sure every single drive. time we go where did he finish what did he do who, who was he with yeah. <laughs> we just never know with roman grosjean um c then okay yeah i think it's a c, a c. Uh, yeah magnuson he got caught up in a first lap incident didn't he he was spun round i can't remember why uh vettel Vettel spun him around. Oh, so he got actually got hit. Yeah, yeah, that okay. was what the Vettel M plate ended up on the track and ruining oh, Bottas's race. I see. Yes, and he had a headache as well, didn't he? He, he did was, have a um, headache. He kept uh, smacking. And then he retired, didn't he? Yeah, smacking his head yeah. on the back of the car every time he upshifted, and apparently that's been something Ouch. that was going on since qualifying, which seems bizarre. But that's horrid. It is. It's not great. Mm. So are we giving Magnussen a D then. I said a C. I think a C. Yeah, it's not. It's just same as Grosjean, really. Mm. Okay, and he, he, to be fair, he did fight for all his worth when he was trying to hold yeah. back uh, Leclerc, Albon, and those lots. So uh, okay, all right. We're oh, that C. was fun actually. Yeah, remember that. that was a good little battle. Uh, yeah. Giovinazzi scored a point. 
He did. He uh, actually, he had a great last. start. He was six mm. places up at the start around Imola. That is sensational. B. Yep. I gave him a C. I gave him. You a gave C. him a C. Yeah. Are you? Where, when you were doing these grades, were you in a really bad mood? No, he qualified dead last. <laughs> to be fair. And he's up six positions. Easily. He scored a point. He yeah. went from twentieth okay. yeah. to tenth. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. It's a good drive. Yeah. But it's not it's not a world. What did you go for, Katie? Um I gave him a B as well. Thank you. Right, we'll move B on. Is fine. Ignore yeah. Tommy. Sorry, Tommy. His opinion is irrelevant. Oh. Um <laughs> Kimmy Raikkonen was not driver of the day in my opinion, but he still had a great drive. A I said I went B. B. Of course I did. <laughs> yeah. He had a great both in bad news. No! He had a great start and he maximised um, the DNFs for a points finish and also obviously the stint on the medium tyre and was unlucky under safety car. But, and mind you, I'm saying all that now and I'm like, oh, it's quite good actually, isn't it? <laughs> but My man Kimmy in an Alfa Romeo just making it work and getting two points and we're not giving him an A. Unbelievable. Hmm. Okay, well, fine. You've got to have, you gotta have, room, you gotta have yeah. room for the A drivers. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I've, I think if we gave Kimi Raikkonen well, I... an A, I'd have to give everybody else an A star. Well, I think then that a lot of comments are going to be flying in because he got driver of the day and you're telling me driver of the day is a B rating. Well, then, good luck to you two. Uh, B for Raikkonen then. Uh, Lance Stroll, F. Uh, I gave him an E, but yeah, F is yeah, fine e. by me. Just dreadful. Oh, for dreadful, God's dreadful. Sake. I'm being outvoted every single time. So is it an E then? Were you in a yeah. bad mood when you did that, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Yay, good one. Um, uh, all that praise we gave him, and he's just fallen off. Yeah, he's fallen, yeah, he really has. Just I've gone terrible. from saying he's going to beat Vettel next year to now thinking he's not going to beat Vettel once. Uh, he hasn't per- scored a point for ages. He was fourth ages in the championship ages. at one point. Unbelievable. Uh, Perez. I have a given Perez drive. a B. Yes, B with me as well. Okay, let's go with a B then. Uh, he did have a pretty decent drive. It's quite interesting, actually. My friend uh, Jody Mills, shout out to Jody. I'm sure he won't be watching this, but either way, he was uh, <laughs> saying that the racing point he believes is easily the quickest car um, in uh, in the midfield and oh. that they keep messing up in qualifying and that they're basically just like Perez and Stroller just bottling it. In a nutshell, what do we think to that? I think they've got a really good car, and I think it, I'm. I wouldn't go as far as do it, saying it that harshly, but I do think that they could have done better to easily secure. They should be in third in the championship by quite a distance, be- mm. bearing in mind on you know a few few differences. Obviously, they lost the points as well because of the whole silver Mercedes thing. Because um, he was saying basically they were bottling it in qualifying and that they've got a, such a quicker car in the race. And, and then I was just arguing back that that sometimes race pace is what cars mm. go for and the fact that they may not have a qualifying setup. And, you know, they usually, I don't know. I, I just thought that they, they aren't as quick as perhaps that, I mean, they, they are as quick as the drivers are trying to, well, at least Perez is doing. And I don't think there's a huge amount of potential left in that car. Yeah. Either way, moving on. Uh, Perez, what we, so we gave him a B. Uh, Kvyat, yeah. we'll give him an A then. Yes, A, definitely. yeah. A for Kvyat. I think that's probably his first A rating of the year. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it's true. Uh, Gasly, I want to also give him an A. Yeah, A. Because 100%. amazing qualifying. Don't know what he would have done in the race, but we have to judge on what we saw. 
during the weekend. Uh, Esteban Ocon. Oh, he was having a shocker, wasn't he? Mm. Oh, I think it's a D. I can't decide between a D or a C. He he D. started twelfth. D. Really I mean, Ricardo it. started fifth, and Ocon was yeah. nowhere. Then DNF'd. It's got to be yeah, at least D. a D. I've said Ocon, Ocon C because he had so many issues with his car. He had like three separate issues, and he dealt with the first two, and then it was finally this third issue that I can't remember off the top of my head what it was because he had so many problems. But um, I think had he continued what, during the race. During the race, yeah, or just during the whole like whole weekend, I think he just his car was so problematic that I think there was potential to have gotten a result, maybe I don't know seventh, eighth, or something like that in the race, but obviously conked out. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna give Ock on a C, but I understand if I get uh, demoted. <laughs> yeah, tough. It's a D. <laughs> Good chat. <laughs> I, I guess. Well, we yeah, we can't. As much as Ocon's saying there's problems with the mm. car, like we we have to base it on the performance really, because otherwise we're getting into very difficult territory where we're believing certain things that uh, teams and drivers are saying. Um, so I'm still going with a D. What are you saying, Tommy? Uh, I think a D. Okay, I think for the twelfth in quality, yeah. Daniel Ricciardo, A star. Yes. Yep. Boom. Couldn't get anything more out of that Renault at all. Quite, yeah. He's he seems to be coming into his own with that Renault now. I wonder how much, um, not regret, but I guess, I yeah, guess that's pretty I close see. with McLaren, but you never know. Alonso's going to yeah. be loving. I don't think he's having car. as much regret as maybe Carlos Sainz is at the moment. But um, but then again, Leclerc's making it work in that Ferrari. So, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think Ricardo's going to be particularly sad, especially because I'm sure he's laughing to the bank. But um, It's a sideways step, isn't it? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think McLaren, yeah. They could easily bring it back. They were stronger at the start of the season. Uh, speaking of McLaren, let's talk about Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. So Lando first. Uh, bit of a quiet weekend for McLaren again. Mm. Like they're yeah, there they've... or thereabouts, but not really where we've expected them to be. Yeah, Carlos started 10th and finished 7th. Lando started 9th and finished 8th. And there was nothing between them. I've got, yeah, their, their gap in qualifying, I think, was 0.09 they were just they were just so close like in i think you mentioned it um maybe it was on ibr or or a question you had about teammates seem to be so far apart this year mm. but mclaren is what is almost like the exception to the rule where there's almost nothing between them in a lot of races um i think i i gave b for both of them yeah i think b's yeah. across the board for both of them carlos Sainz did incredibly well to not crash into alex alban mm. at the restart he did, yeah. That reactions was ridiculous. Yeah, fair play to him. But yeah, so I think B's for both of them. Um, just McLaren falling off slightly. Maybe they've started to develop next for next year's car or even 2022. Who knows? But uh, it's an interesting time for McLaren. Uh, Alex Alban. I said E. Yeah, E. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. <laughs> it's, yeah, it says a lot that that... He was in an is. okay like, position and then he spun. He came dead yeah. last. <laughs> Mm. Well, yeah, yeah he, he was given car restart. Mm. It's over, isn't it? Yeah, he's giving given two races, and he finished them in twelfth and fifteenth. It's not looking good. New no. so E for Albon Verstappen. He was having a good race. I think an A probably. Yeah, A, a not A star, but A. Yeah. No, not A star. He was taking it to Bottas, but that was because of uh, damage to Bottas's car. So I think an A is fair for Max. But I mean, I don't think he ever really scores anything other than an A these days, or A star, of course. 
Uh, Sebastian Vettel, he was having a strong race until Ferrari decided to have a 13.1 second pit stop. <laughs> but he was actually, I was genuinely really impressed with how Vettel would push those mediums and he was continually like extending the stint and doing great lap times. I would have probably given him an, uh, I mean, to be fair, do we do we factor in the fact that he had that terrible pit stop? It's not exactly his Yeah, fault. yeah, definitely. I've given him a C because he wasn't like, incredible pace wise but he would have had a really good result obviously it was out his out his hands, i think he would it? have been around leclerc without that pit stop so i think a b is more fairer for vettel i've gone b slash c but i can't decide i mean he's outperformed Ooh. by his teammate katie you've got the deciding i know vote. He's yeah, he's, he was outperformed in qualifying fair enough uh and i, I would completely say that yeah. i'm not usually on sebastian vettel's side so but i think that his pace on those mediums especially extending it for as long as mm, he did yeah. with the likes of raikkonen and then he would have come out what I judged to be around tenth place uh, on Actually, those fresher yeah. on that fresher rubber. So I think I think that deserves a B. Personally. Yeah, okay. yeah, let's go I, B. I changed my mind there because because yeah, if we gave Raikkonen a, a B as well, it was yeah. if he'd have like say not had the pit error, he'd have been catapulted up the top, and it would have been interesting to see what he could have done at the yeah, end. Yeah, so, and to be fair, yeah. he could have even been catapulted further by the safety car and a few people pitting around him. So yeah, better, yeah. yeah, yeah, he could and, and on fresher hard tyres so yeah I think Vettel had a good race uh, Leclerc I think A yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A I think yeah it's a good again another great race from Charles he's just chugging along isn't he every single race weekend he's just there or thereabouts in that Ferrari that probably Ch- chugging along in that tractor somehow getting lots of points yeah I mean I, I am less inclined to call it a tractor now I think that it suits Charles Leclerc's driving style I think Ferrari have taken a development like uh, tunnel towards what Charles Leclerc wants. Um, it's clear to see that uh, because Vettel can't find that same grip, and we know that Vettel yeah. is a certain kind of driver where he he likes he likes cars that have turn in. Right? Is that yeah? Yeah. Right. So so Vettel likes a pointy front end, where I think Charles Leclerc is more of an adaptable driver and can wrestle the car like a like a Verstappen. So yeah. Yeah, it's clear to see that Ferrari are developing towards what Leclerc wants, but they're not sabotaging Vettel in any state in any kind of way. That's that's certainly not true. Uh, so yeah, okay, let's give Leclerc an A. Uh, Bottas, let's give him A. I said A star. A star oh. for so, Bottas. I mean, his quality lap was a blinder. Like hats off to him, and he was also super unlucky with the debris. And looking at like fastest lap data from the race so Lewis Hamilton set the fastest lap because it's Lewis Hamilton no no surprise there but Valtteri Bottas then set the second fastest lap with a time that was four tenths slower but to achieve a time like that when you've got half a bloody Ferrari under your car I think that he was just going to slow him down a lot having yeah. a Ferrari error <laughs> exactly. yeah, 50 points of downforce I don't know what that equates to that's what he said uh, afterwards yeah. um, I think Bottas I gave Bottas a high A so I, I don't think uh, A star is mm. a stretch but I'd say A I think it's not an A star performance but just purely from the fact that I, I guess if we're looking at ailing cars let's look at I know Daniel Ricciardo around Monaco for example I know it's very difficult because Monaco is well but then we've called Imola is the Monaco so. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's your say. review um, <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is that Bottas made mistakes. I know that his mm. car was completely changing and ever-changing, and I've said this, but so was Daniel Ricciardo's at Monaco, but he never hit the wall. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's There were elements mm. of errors there that Bottas made that I, I don't know if Hamilton would have done that. And here we go, Hamilton fanboy. But I think that Bottas, it's an A performance, uh, in my opinion. I don't think it was perfect. 
A it is for Bottas then. Okay, and Lewis Hamilton. A. Oh, A. I'm gonna. I said B, but I'm gonna get lynched. <laughs> B. Yeah, I don't think he was as good as good as Bottas. Obviously, he did an amazing stint, but he was lost a place to Verstappen at the start. Had an amazing strategy, which yeah, I think it's a high B. Oh, in that case. But, <laughs> It's an A then. Yeah. Well, it's an well, A. Katie, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I've said an A. Okay, good. Uh, well, that was probably one of the worst ABCDF ones I've ever had to uh, experience. <laughs> so thanks thanks for your opinions, guys. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of opinions in the comments that I won't Can't be reading. Um, <laughs> right, here we go. Emilia Romagna Grand Prix predictions. So what did we predict for Imola? I said least amount of overtaking all season. Do I mean, we I've know? Not got the stats on it? I had a quick look this morning and I couldn't find an exact number of overtakes. Okay, but... it's a point. Yes, uh... <laughs> <laughs> half a point. Yeah, I'll give you half a, point. Half a pity point. Well, what, what, what other track would have had less overtaking that we've had this season? Throw it out um, there. Not Mugello. Mugello. Had a not Mugello. Um, we didn't race at Monaco, did we? No. no. Um, Good try. <sighs> Yeah. Okay, I think Matt might be Name right. me one track that you think that there was less overtaking and I will go, okay, uh, fine. Barcelona. We did race at Barcelona, didn't we? Yes, we did. Half a point then. And track limits will be a big issue again. Yes, one point. Mm-hmm. Huge amounts yep. of track limits issues. Uh, okay, Katie. <laughs> right, oh, okay. Go. So... Before we start, I'd just like to say I'm very sorry. I was not aware of what a jinxing effect this would have. But I said Verstappen out, which happened, so that's a point. And then Russell points, which looked set to happen. And then I got really smug and I tweeted about it and I put it in the group chat. And then Russell crashed onto safety car. So, yeah. Never do that again. Can I have I have half absolutely a point? no empathy because, uh, yeah, we get a point for Verstappen and absolutely zero points for Russell points because the opposite happened. Um, <laughs> I was close. Speak, speaking of opposite happened. Go on, Tommy. Uh, so, yeah, hashtag fails, which was mm. correct because I saw a lot of big accounts, uh, motorsport media accounts. I noticed Honda, uh, there's one F1 team that started doing it as well, um, doing Emilia Romagna GP for a bit, and then we're like, oh, it's similar. Um, so, yeah. I'm getting a point for that. And then, yeah, speaking of complete opposite, I went for Alban Podium oh. and he ended his career instead. So. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. Slightly far off. Uh, shampoo Horde, Vettel outqualifies outqualifies Leclerc. No. And June's notice, a Gasly Podium, yeah, I said it. That oh, was looking what a shout. so good. What a shout. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. No half a points here today apart from my half point thank you right uh, Turkish Grand Prix predictions in a couple of weeks time Max Verstappen will not take turn 8 flat straight away he said to us in the WTF1 <laughs> podcast a few episodes ago that he will take turn 8 flat first time round at, in FP1 I don't With think he will closed. we're going to somehow going to have to try and prove that and George Russell points you've said it again okay. go on Katie uh, I have gone for another finish for Albon outside the top 10. I think he already wow. pretty much knows that his time at Red Bull is over. Um, and unless he really tries to pull something out of the bag to get in that uh, Alpha Tauri seat, then I can't see it happening. I mean, 
you think with his drive on the line at Red Bull, he'd try and put in some good work, but that hasn't happened. Um, and then I said, everybody will love the nostal- nostalgia of Turkey, but the racing will be boring. Yeah, look, I think okay. that's, a, that's a fair shout for both of those. Tommy, oh, well, well one of your <laughs> predictions, I mean, brilliant. Wait, why don't you just say there's going to be clouds in the sky? Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, your predictions. Uh, Leclerc... <laughs> Neither of those are, are actual... They're probably oh, when, the opposite when, what's going to happen. Saying Imola won't be much overtaking. Yeah, good one. Uh, <laughs> Leclerc top five finish. I got half a point for that. You Anyway, carry on. Yeah, Leclerc top five finish and the Formula 1.5 leader or winner will be lapped by the real winner. Okay, so top five finish for Leclerc. Well done, you've got a point and probably two points. Well done. Uh, fans, KJL underscore Lackner underscore K, Latifi points. Goodness me. And Swift Sambi, another DNF for at least two Honda engines. There you go. That is the final part of this podcast. Anything to add, Tommy and then Katie? Uh, oh, one thing we didn't mention, which I've not seen anything about it yet, but... There was oh, a very this. sketchy yeah. video of um, Marshall still on track while the cars were unlapping themselves. So if you've not seen that, go on WTF1.com and check KT's article about it. Um, but yeah, very, very sketchy. And I think there is uh, people are waiting to hear from you know the race director and get get a word from him because it is very, very dodgy and could be could have been absolutely horrific. Mm. Agreed, KT. Uh, well, yeah, exactly what Tommy said with that, with the, the video that has surfaced after the race. Uh, but I just wanted to say a quick thanks to everybody for their lovely comments welcoming me to the podcast. They've been very well received. And yeah, if you've been somebody to send me a message or follow me on social media, um, thank you very much. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not sure you'll like the comments this time around after that ABCDF <laughs> appearance. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Right, anyway, that is it. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching the WTF1 podcast or listening, of course. Make sure to give us five stars on whatever you're listening or watching on or a thumbs up. Subscribe on the YouTube channel, as per always. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for Turkey, which will be very exciting indeed. And that is it. it. Thank you to Tommy. Thank you to Katie. And we'll see you next time for the WTF1 podcast. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Waving at you down there. Bye. Bye.